What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and we are back with another edition of the Betting Show as the UFC and Bellator have cards this weekend. And I suppose they're uh, maybe not the two best cards in the world uh, in terms of individually, but when you put them both together, there are some good and, and interesting fights on them. And uh, de- depending what the future holds, I think especially for Bellator, we could see a bit of uh, a bit of movement, especially in that Bellator card. So, um yeah, we will uh, we will get into that and uh, give I will give you my bets for those cards here in a second. First of all, just to look back at last week and how we fared, I would say it was uh, maybe an even week. We went two of four uh, on our bets and the flyer didn't hit. So just to review last week's bet, first of all, at Martin Hamlet, uh, which was a terrible call. He got uh, he got finished pretty quickly there against uh, Impa Kasang and I. Uh, so. Um, you know, I, I, when reviewing that bet, I'm thinking like I, I think I had what I thought was going to happen right, but it just maybe didn't get long enough for it to happen. You know, there was, and I, and I think I said it last week. There's always the possibility that you know he gets caught against a guy like Kis, uh and I, and. You know, we. I was even saying like we look at him maybe too much as a striker because can he fight? Uh, he could fight all the way around, but you know, it was the only the striking he needed last week to get him to, through it, and uh, that's uh, exactly what he did. So that was a great win for him, and uh, not a great call for me. Um, Jaewon Kim then that was a very unlucky one. A plus three thirteen, uh, four seconds left. He was knocked out by John Lineker, and I think look the MMA community as a whole was probably delighted to see John Lineker getting the win. But uh, if you had that bet, I think most people would agree uh, he was about to win that fight if it hadn't uh, been finished four seconds uh, early. So uh, that's a very unfortunate one. But look, John Lineker earned his victory, and that's that. Um, and in the Suarez TKO KO at plus 540 is the flyer didn't hit but like I think there was a few different opportunities where maybe it could have I explained that but like I thought it was, it was going to be a submission but you know it's, I like the um, I like the price on that one but the two bets that did hit Jacoby and Kenny and Juku to go inside uh, to finish inside the distance at minus 110 <sighs> that was I thought I said it last week. I thought that was a great price, and it turned out just to be. And in the font Sandhagen fight, I had that either to go to decision or finish in the final round at minus one thirty-five. I saw there was a few people kind of saying maybe should have just had it over uh, three and a half, over four and a half rounds or whatever. But this is a slightly better price, I think. So you know, I think most people had that bet anyway and got it maybe with the uh, over four and a half rounds or over three and a half rounds bet, and it wasn't too far away from that price anyway. So those are the two bets that hit from. Last week. All right, let's get to next week and have a look at what's in store. I'm going to start off with um, a couple of Bellator fights. Um, and there's two bets I'm given this week that are relatively um, short prices, but I do think they are good value in that. Uh, and the first one here is one of them, and I'm going to go with Logan Storley at minus uh, 333. I see him at some places here, he's minus uh, 310, so you might might get him a little bit closer, right? So this is not the, as I said, this is not the biggest price ever, but I do think he has um, a probably a minus 600, minus 700 chance of winning this fight, if you get me. I think this fight is way wider than this shows. Um, I... 
I have great respect for Brendan Ward. I think he's been a great fighter down through the years and his win over Sabah Hamasi showed that he can still hang with the guys who are right up there towards the, the top of the division uh, in Bellator. But I think you reach another level when you reach the likes of, of Logan Storley and when you reach the likes of Amasov. Now, we saw Amasov was even another uh, level above Storley when they fought last time. And the, the first time they fought, they were very close. So we can, you know, we take, uh, you know, take what you want from, from that, I suppose. But... I, I just think, even though Brendan Ward can wrestle and he can do it all, I, I just think Storley's wrestling is going to be a little bit too much for him. I think he's going to be able to take him down once early, and then I think if he can survive that, I think he's going to be able to take him down multiple times. And I think the biggest issue here for Brendan Ward is I think Storley will have looked back to these last couple of fights, and even the win against MVP and kind of uh, say it to himself, right, I struggle there to land enough shots and to put enough damage on if I'm going to get another shot here. And we never know what's going on. Like, you never know. We, we, we still don't know what's going on with Bellator and all that. They have at least one more card announced since the, I did my preview of Bellator 300, so I suppose we'll see in that. But he needs to make a statement here. You know, he really does. I think all these lads, you could say all these lads may be fighting for their jobs here. You, we just don't know. We just don't know that situation. So, um... If you're Logan Storley here, I think what you have to do is you have to take Brendan Ward down early and often and beat him up on the ground. And I think that is the best Logan Storley. I think if 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 he's almost forced into doing that by circumstance, I think it actually benefits him. The worst thing for Logan Storley almost is a fight that, you know, you you have to just get over and get the W. I'd like... I don't know, he's one of these guys who has all the quality, but maybe sometimes he would cost a little bit. Now, maybe that's a little bit unfair, but after watching that MVP fight, I don't think, you know, that's a fight he should have been winning 50-45 all day, but I thought he lost it, you know, and I think a lot of people thought he lost it as well. Um, and it's it's not that it's a similar sort of fight here, but, like, MVP is hard to take down. People might think uh, just because he throws uh, flashy strikes and all that, he isn't, but he is. He absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, is. Um, and... I think Ward poses a different sort of takedown defense um, conundrum, but I think it's probably a little bit uh, easier to solve than the MVP one. So I don't think you'll have a lot of trouble taking him down. Um, and I think that fight will be uh, heavily favored for Logan Storley in that one, a minus 3 3 3. If you want to throw him into um, a parlay or something like that, maybe that would be a way to go as well. But I really do like Logan Storley here at minus 3-3-3. All right, next bet I'm going for here is also from Bellator. And um, this is the Justin Keish versus uh, Diana Avskarova fight. Uh, and I'm going for Keish, the underdog, at plus 130. Um... I there's a, there's a couple of reasons behind this and I spoke about it on the preview show like Keish 8 and 6 at 35 years of age you're probably saying here Shani what are you talking about she's lost 3 of her last 4 fights but I, I I've always thought Keish was a good fighter right she can fight all around she can make it tough on you and as we saw in that Lehman McFarlane fight she can take you down. She can push you to a place that people don't like to be pushed to. And, you know, you see her last four fights all went to a decision. Even the one before that, she lost it. But it was with one minute left in the third round. And then there was a lot of decisions before that as well. Like, she, she's what, she only been finished once in her career. Is that correct? Yeah, once in her career is all she's been finished. 
you know, she is one of these people that it's very hard to get out of there and she'll still be there at the very end of the fight. Um, and I think if you're Dana Avskarova, I don't think you've met that before. You know, Alejandra Lara is a good fighter, but I don't think she brings what Keish brings. Um, and all the rest of her opponents, I don't think they do either. I think, look, I'm going very wrestle-heavy in my picks this week, and I'm usually the opposite, to be honest, but I think Keish will wrestle her and wrestle her and wrestle her. Um, you know, um, Diana is, is a good striker. She's not, she's not the biggest finisher or anything in the world. Um, two, one knockout and one submission in, in six fights. Uh, and I just, like, what, I haven't watched him, right? You you look at it and you say, what will the advantage be, right? Okay, if, if uh, Diana can keep the fight standing, maybe she could keep her at the end of her jab. If she can get in top, you know, she can land a few shots in her, maybe, you know, maybe get her in some sort of armbar or something like that. But I think watching them, you just see who's the stronger fighter. It's probably Keish. Who's the better wrestler? It's probably Keish as well. You know, does she have a big jiu-jitsu deficiency that if she lands on top, she's going to get, uh, you know, uh, armbarred or, or um, triangled or something like that? I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't see that. Like, I don't see that at all. So, honestly, I, I think, I, I was, I thought this fight would be actually further away in terms of price, just because based on reputation and record. But I think the be- the bookies have it uh, almost right. If they had it the other way around, I think they'd have it dead right. So I think that price is big enough still to go for um, to go for Keish to win it, and uh, I think she will. And I, I like that price of uh, of plus one thirty. Give me plus money in that fight. Definitely, I'm, I'm taking Keish in that one. Right, um, I'm going to jump over to the UFC for the next one. I've one more from Bellator, but we've uh, there's two more from the UFC altogether. So the first one I'm going for, this is a bit of a shorter price, but although not too short now, uh, let's just get the updated price here as I look at it. Uh, yeah, and it hasn't uh, it hasn't changed since I was looking at it earlier. It's minus 180 for Khalil Roundtree Jr. to beat Chris Dawkins. Um And I think, looking at it here, I think the minus 180 is a pretty uh, good price, if I'm being honest. I, uh, I think Dawkins is a good fighter, but... And I've said this many times with Khalil Roundtree now, maybe too many times. But if he shows up and he can do what he is capable of doing, there aren't many people around that can beat him. Um, and he's won three in a row now, so he's getting better at that. Last time out, he he won a split decision over Dustin Jacoby, and you can you know talk about the decision all you want. But look what Jacoby did to Kenny and Juku last week. Look, he looked brilliant. He he hits very hard. He knocked out Carl Robertson before that, and absolutely destroyed Modestus Bukowskis prior to that. Um, whereas Chris Dawkins, he's actually lost his last three in a row. Um, you know, up up in weight. So it's it's a case of like. <sighs> They're fighting a light heavyweight. Um, I know, you know, Khalil has been, I suppose, knocking on the door for a while. How is Chris going to look coming uh, coming down? Or I think he fought a light heavyweight before a good while ago, but not maybe not maybe before the UFC did he, but coming either down or back down anyway. It's going to be a bit of a cut, I think. Um, like, if you look at his most recent opponents, right, he's, he's three knockouts. Derek Lewis... Curtis Blades, uh, Jerzinho Rosenstruck. What would you say all of them have on him? Like Rosenstruck, probably like I don't think he's necessarily faster than him, but he's um, 
a better technician than him and knocked him out in 23 seconds. Curtis Blades is kind of a better athlete than him. And then Derek Lewis, we, we know kind of what Derek Lewis is. I, I think Kelly Rowntree probably has like a bit of what all the three, those three have. He's probably a better technician like Rosenstruck. He's a good athlete like Curtis Blades. And he's the bit of madness in him that Derek Lewis has as well. So it's kind of a bad, um, you know, it's, it's all the bad signs that Dawkins has had over the last while are all kind of added together and put into Kelly Rowntree, if you get me. Um, I think, like, you look at you look at Dawkins and you see, look, he's been knocked, finished six, uh, beat six times, finished six times, knocked out five times. Um, he has, a, a, you know, 11 of his 12 wins are via knockout, via knockout, and, um, you know, Kelly Rowntree has been knocked out twice in, in his career, you know, the most recently to Yanku Talaba and Johnny Walker before that around 2018, 2019, both of them. So it's been a while. Um, like, how does Dawkins win this fight? Like, let's let's look at a few options. Like, if it's fought maybe at Lint and they're jabbing and they're fighting a technical fight from there, who's going to win that fight? You know, I, I would say around three, but, maybe, you know, Dawkins has been fighting against the bigger guys at heavyweight, so maybe he'll be more used to that. But the speed, I think, is going to be an advantage for round three. The power, like I, th- I think, if Dawkins lands, maybe not that he would have a power advantage, but he could knock out Kelly. No doubt about it. Like with, with you know, the size of that man, you can knock anyone out. But I think Roundtree's like kicking power, his leg kicks that he throws an awful lot, but with the punch power as well, the way he catches you clean, if he's kind of like shocking you into it, is very, very good. Um, I mean, like the one thing I would say the, that Roundtree doesn't have, um is, again, that consistency. Now, he's won his last three in a row, but there's a, there's a, it is a weird thing to say, but there's a big difference between three in a row and four in a row. Uh, and that's when you get to the next level of consistency, especially around the top of the division. So if he can do that, put it together, the, maybe the fight IQ, I don't like, I don't necessarily think uh, Chris Dawkins is John Jones or Floyd Mayweather in terms of fight IQ himself, but I, I think Roundtree maybe struggles with that at times or has in the past anyway. Um, but, like, there are very few signs here to say that Dawkins will or can win this fight. Um, and I think at minus, uh, what was it again, minus 180, I think that's a very, very, very good price for your guy, Khalil Roundtree Jr. Right. And the last of the four bets a week, and then we'll have the flyer, um, is the heavyweight fight over in Bellator. And I'm, you know what? I'm going for Steve Mowry at plus 188 to win uh, in this fight. Um, the reason I'm going for this is I think the line has switched because of their recent results. So um, they fought, when was it? Back in 2000 and uh, 2022, August of last year. So well, the 12th of August, is it the exact same day last year? Let me just see. Uh, this is the 11th. Yeah, so... A, almost a year to the day since their last fight, and they've both had one fight since. Um, and it's funny, I said, uh, you know, the line has changed because of their performances. In Vassell was the one who knocked out Moldovsky, and Maori went to a decision, right? And and drew uh, with Ali Isayev, who's a very good fighter. Now, people probably look at the Vassell fight and go, you know, um, Moldovsky was winning that and he came back and Vassell landed, you know, the big shot and was able to finish him. And absolutely, it's like, you can kind of write that off almost. But Maori maybe is a guy who had only, what, 10 fights coming into it. Um, he's 10-1, he's 10-0-1 and 1-0 no contest now. So, um, 
he to ten fights coming into the the first fight, and obviously then the knock on this and in the draw like we we hadn't seen much of him like he beat Rocky in Cleveland pretty handily. All of his fights apart from two. Uh, sorry, three were finished in the first round, and all of them were finishes. You know, he's never gone to a, a decision. Um, apart from that, uh, apart from that one fight. So, I think when that happened, maybe we saw a part of him that we'd never seen before. And what was that part? It was him kind of gassing in the third round and having a big, big issue after winning the first two. Um, and Moldovsky, the way he fights, is basically to. You, let, let me just I, I'll show you Tell you his record And that's exactly how he fights uh, 11 wins 3 losses And in that 13 fights He he has had 9 decisions um, <laughs> And that is uh, In the 14 fights even 9 decisions That is a lot for a heavyweight He fights The kind of The, the controlled Outside game um, he, And not necessarily Even an outside game Just kind of like A, a technical Tactical game um, I keep you. He will keep you at the end of his job, but he will kind of move around and be more athletic than you, as a heavyweight. Um, look, we didn't see too much of the first fight, so there's really nothing to go off of here. But the reason I'm going for Maori is this: I think people are looking at him based on that fight rather than based on the rest of his other fights. Like he's a really good athlete. He hits very hard. He's very big, very hard to get inside on, but also very hard to kind of be from the outside or kind of maneuver around on the outside like Moldovsky will want to do. Like, uh, And outside is probably a bad word. I wouldn't call Moldovsky an outside fighter. He's more like that kind of distance between the outside and the pocket if you want to get me like he's like he's not getting into brawls he's not wonderboying lads but he's kind of in that mid distance you know a little bit like Nimkov in a lot of his fights not the last one out per se but uh he fights that sort of style and he picks you off and picks you off and picks you off and he's very very good at it but to do that against a guy like Steve Murray like it's six foot one versus let me just see Murray's fight uh height six foot eight that's a big big difference there like a massive difference um and I think Murray like can land those shots inside. Like let, let's remember as well, Valentin Moldovsky has just been knocked out. What well, I suppose it's what is it, four or five months ago, five months ago now, still it's it's a while, but like still it's not that long. And are there pieces there that Maori could see and that his camp could see? You know, he's with uh, a very good camp in Kilcliffe FC, arguably the best camp in the world. I think there are probably things that they can see. Uh, and openings there against a guy like Moldovsky who has, you know, he doesn't have that many fights, but he's a lot of tape on him considering how many decisions he went to. Like, uh, if you look at his fights before the last two, five rounds, five rounds, three rounds, three rounds, three rounds, three rounds. There's a lot of tape on him, like loads of tape on him compared to Maori as well, especially. Um, uh, here's what I think will happen. And it's the reason I'm picking Maori is because of the first part of this, right? I think Murray will try to land those big shots. He will try to throw his straight down through the middle. He will try to throw that head kick. He will try to throw those big long legs. I think he'll have a lot of variety early, right? Now, if that doesn't work, I think he could struggle late. So this is one of these fights, like if you're betting live and Murray's maybe a round up or two rounds up, uh, and and Moldovsky's still there. It wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Moldovsky wins it. But what I'm banking on here, the reason I'm picking Maury is maybe he'll be able to get him out of there early. Um, and I think Maury. I thought this for a while, and I, I I like betting on these sort of fights, right? Because a guy is just coming off of a bad result, 
And people have kind of forgotten what he's good at. But like, I would choose to remember what he's good at, you know? And let's say the loss will have done him good. Then he can have gone to like a next level. So I'm picking Maori because of that. And I'm picking Maori because I think Moldowski could struggle with the style. And I think if he does struggle with the style early, Maori uh, has the ability to land the big shots and get him out of there. So that's the reason I'm going for Maori in this one. Right, the flyer in of the week is a pretty, uh, pretty simple one, and that is uh, Rafael dos Anjos to win by knockout at plus seven hundred. Now, again, this is this is a flyer. Um, is it the most likely outcome of victory? Um, Maybe not, but maybe as well at at the same stage. Like, I think most people would say, Shani. Dos Anjos hasn't exactly been, uh, he hasn't exactly ever been the type of guy who's sparking lads out of there, and especially maybe not early. You know, his his recent finishes have almost all been submissions and things like that, and even then he's been losing a lot of fights early as well. And that is all true, that is all true, right? But here we go. Here here is the um, uh, the crux of I suppose the flyer, and Vicente Luque has nine losses and one by an via knockout, right? And that was in his last fight. Uh, and he lost to Jeff Neal, who does hit very hard. And funny enough, I saw a few clips of that fight yesterday. I went back and I watched a bit of it. And there was a stage in that fight where uh, Luke got hit. And again, this is almost a year to the day ago uh, since, since that. So maybe he's had time to recover, but we'll see. There was a stage where Luke got hit. And I thought to myself... Um, this is not the Vicente Luque of old. Like he just, at thirty-one years of age, he's what thirty-one fights as well. I I thought it was a stage of his career he reached where oh my god, he's gonna start taking shots from now on like this or lesser that are just gonna put him in a place that he doesn't want to be, and we've seen it. We've seen it with many, many, many guys. And one example that always stands out, and it's funny, it's Vicente Luque. Uh, because, but it's Tyron Woodley, you know, and he'd lost a few fights coming up to that fight and all, but there was a stage in that fight where Woodley got hit, and I was like, oh my god, he just can't take a punch anymore. He just cannot take a punch anymore. And now maybe it's a little bit unfair on Luke, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, and him taking a year off is definitely the uh, the way to go here, but I think if that is the case for Vicente Luque, I, don't, I, I almost don't care who's opposite him. Right, um, I think as well with Luca, we you know we've seen a good few submissions from him. That Brabo choke, he's, he caught well, he caught Woodley with it, didn't he? And he caught Chiesa with it as well. Um, I, 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 maybe Dasanias. I know he'll want to get a few takedowns and all like that. Maybe he'll be more of like the, the ground and pound type here. But also with that big left hand he throws with the power, with the pressure he puts on lads. You know, that Brian Barberena win will be very good for him, you know, after coming off of the Fiziev loss. You know, he's won three of his last four as well. So, uh, and, but it's been, you know, it's been, I suppose, uh, you know, three of his last four, uh, it, it's been three years. You know, he, now he three fights in 2022, which was absolutely great. But again, it's another nine months since he had that Barbarina fight. So he's not exactly been the most active apart from this, I suppose, the, the, the points in, in 2022. Um, having said that, right, I'm going for the plus 700, first of all, because it's a flyer. But 
based on Luca and based on the fact like if you are Dos Anjos and you went back and you watched that fight like it's hard not to see what I saw in that fight I think now maybe I'm overreacting to it I, let, let me know in the comment section what you think below but I like I just think if he does push that pressure if he does land a few big shots and uh, Luca reacts that way I think it could be the finish could be on and even if he does manage to maybe pull him pick him up take him down land a good few elbows or something like that he could put him out on the ground so that is the pick for me in that one right let's look at some of the other odds from both of the cards let's start with Bellator first um, obviously we spoke about the main event there and the co-main event uh, the Aaron Jeffrey Dalton Rasta fight is an interesting one um, Jeffrey is plus 175 he opened up at plus 200 and I'm not surprised that's come in a little bit although I do fancy Rasta Maybe you wait on later in the week. Uh, that minus two two five is still a bit greedy there. Um, if if that was let's say to go into minus two hundred, even to get down into the one hundreds, I think that would be the time maybe to go for that one. Uh, James Gallagher against uh, Justin Gonzalez against sorry James Gonzalez. Uh, the Gallagher price has moved all the way in from minus two two five to uh, minus one two five. So if you fancy Gallagher there. Uh, actually he's minus 120 now if you fancy Gallagher there that's definitely a, a good price now to, to get him at um, look I think Gallagher is a better fighter all around based on what they've done before but um, Gallagher's you know he left Ireland to go to America and then he went to James Krause and then James Krause obviously as we know all that's happened there and there's no update on that as well either at the moment but like he's been out in Thailand now James training it's hard to know what he's going to look like you'd hope he'd look brilliant but you just don't know and like those are the sort of ones I would never trust to bet on so look if you do fancy James that's a very good price without a shadow of a doubt I also like the price on Islam Amedov he's minus um, 286 I know it's, again it's a bit stingy but I do like that price over Sydney Owl. I think he has a big chance there uh, this Barzola Bates price is one that has moved around since this opened up um, Barzola started at around minus 175 he's out to minus 204 now in some places uh, plus 140 for Bates I like Barzola in that one um, but pff, that price keeps moving I think the bigger Bates gets the uh, the nicer that price is I see in one place here he's plus 165 so I think some people will probably be taking him at that price if that uh, if that uh, continues to move uh, Lucas Brennan's a big favour over Weber Almeida he's almost minus 600 there uh, Vladimir Tokov is the minus 275 favour against, uh, against Jair Pacheco um and there's a few other fights on, the, on that as well. We spoke, obviously, about the Quiche fight. I like Alfie Davis at minus 150 over Alan Cruz, who is plus 125. Um, the Higo price as well, plus 175 over um, Mihailov, who's minus 225. I, I thought Mihailov was an absolute killer when he came in, but his last couple, I'm not too sure after those performances. So keep a look at, uh, at that one, I suppose. Uh, Jordan Oliver then as well the, the, the new wrestler coming in he's a big minus 1000 favour right in the UFC um, uh, the Sanya straight up price is uh, minus 125 plus 100 I think that's again way too close I fancy the Sanya's there uh, we talked about the knockout but what about the submission for the Sanya's it's plus 450 um, you know what <sighs> I I I got a bit greedy. Maybe going for the plus seven hundred, plus seven fifty. It is in one place there. Actually, no. Maybe I got a little bit greedy, but that submission price is not bad either. I think I'd have a a little bit of a sneaky bet on that. Um, 
I like some of the unders here as well. Um, under three and a half rounds is minus 104. I do like that. I do like that. Um, uh, Cub Swanson and Hakeem Dawadu. Uh, Cub is plus 175, minus 225 for Dawadu. I do like that price on Dawadu. I always look at the price when it's Cub Swanson for the submission. Now, Dawadu isn't exactly a submission artist or anything like that, but he's plus 1600. Like, almost all of Cub's last in his career have been by submission. Uh, up until recently, anyway. So I think that plus 1600 is not a bad old bet at all, even though, like, Dowdo isn't exactly the uh, the jiu-jitsu artist. Uh, Docs and Roundtree is plus 163, minus two, uh, minus, is it minus 200? It's minus 200, minus 188 in one place, minus 180, and I, th- I think the most recent price is minus 180, so that's the price we're taking on Khalil Roundtree. Um, JP Bays is uh, the underdog almost plus 300 in fact he is plus 300 in a couple of places minus 350 for Marcus McGee Tafan and Chukwi is minus 150 over plus 120 AJ Dobson that's actually a fun fight um, how about that one to finish inside the distance doesn't go to a decision minus 150 I like that price there. Uh, McKinney is coming in on short notice and he's a big favourite minus 275 over uh, Mike Breeden plus 210 uh, Josh Parisian over uh, Martin Boudet, uh, plus 175 for Parisian, Martin Boudet, minus 225. Again, let's look at the under there. The fight, go, fight doesn't go to a decision, minus 120. Again, that's probably the one I would go for uh, there. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the top and bottom of all the cards now. And um, not a bad weekend to make smart shots. Let me just review my bets here before we go. Logan Sorley minus 333 money line plus 130 for Justine Keish. Khalil Roundtree minus 180 plus 188 for Steve Murray and Dosan just to win by a knockout at plus 700 is the flyer of the week. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for watching. Please bet responsibly and I'll see you all next time.